Hi, friends. My name is Michael Bowman, and welcome to the Christ Church Podcast. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. We have begun a conversation on really what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus. You probably know by now because I've said it on the past couple episodes that, you know, apprentice is really the word I like to use as personal preference. Um, But we're talking about being a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. We are talking about now specifically our focus has kind of shifted here at the beginning of a new year um, on what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus. It's always a good conversation to have, of course, in any season of life, especially for those of us who would, in fact, call ourselves followers of Jesus. And as sure as that is, I think it is maybe an even more necessary thing to talk about right now. Here at the forefront of a new year, a time that we usually fill up with more things to do, new goals to achieve. This is a time where we often tend to speed up as if we are not already moving at 100 miles per hour (laughs) in our lives. We think we can just take on more or do more. I don't know. There's just something about us. Maybe that's Western uh, civilization in general. I don't know. Maybe that's really American. I'm not sure. But this is usually a time where, yeah, ten, you know, things really do tend to speed up and we really are moving at 100 miles per hour already, but we think maybe we can go 110 miles per hour this year. I, I don't know what it is. Um, but I said this a couple of episodes ago and I want to say it again. And really, it's it's an invitation, okay? So I hope it's one that you can receive. Slow down. This is not an admonishment or me wagging my finger at you because I am with you in this. This is just, I hope, a grace-filled, loving, gentle invitation to slow down. And why don't we do that together? Let's Let's not pretend like we're alone in this. We're not. This is all of our story. I mean, let's let's slow down together. Let's let's stop hurrying. In fact, let's give ourselves no reason to hurry whatsoever. Wouldn't that be nice? Let's move at a different pace than the world around us. Uh, you know how we all start out being immobile as babies. I know this is like a really weird shift. You're like, hold up. You're talking about the new year, moving at 100 miles per hour. Now you're talking about babies. Yep, just hang with me. You know how we all start out that way. As infants, or if you've had a child, or, or if you can remember being an infant, which I doubt any of you can, you're immobile. You're totally dependent on your mom or dad or caregiver to take you from one spot to the next if that's necessary. You're not moving much, (laughs) but eventually you'll learn to crawl. You start crawling and it's a slow pace and you fall down a lot, but you know, you're crawling, you're making your way. And now you're getting into all the things and you're crawling around the living room to the bedroom, down the hallway, into the kitchen. And then you learn to stand up at some point. You start pulling up on the couch or a chair or whatever, or the help of somebody else. You start learning to stand up. You might have a walker with you for a little while. And as you progress, you start learning how to walk. 
And now you're not just crawling, but you're walking. And then at some point you learn that you can move even quicker by running and you start running at full speed. Well, I'm under the opinion that somewhere along the way, we got stuck running. And now we desperately need to learn how to slow down and maybe even to start walking for a little bit. This is somewhat said tongue-in-cheek, okay? So let me preface it by saying that. This is said a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But we are never told, maybe this is interesting to you, I think it's interesting to me, we are never told in the Bible that Jesus ever ran. We're never told that Jesus ran, like running. We don't have that picture in the Bible. That, that word is not used in the Greek. And I'm not saying that <laughs> this is all I know these shifts were taken today, but I'm not saying Jesus did not run. OK, I'm not saying that he didn't jog for exercise or even walk briskly or run down one street or maybe joyfully played a game where he was running. I don't I don't know the reason why Jesus might have run, but I'm not saying that he didn't. OK, but we're never told that Jesus ran in the Bible. And all I'm trying to do here is to to make the point that Jesus moved at a different pace. And his pace was never hurried. He was never hurried. I mean, you can think of countless stories in the Bible. One comes to mind, of course, right before he raises Lazarus from the dead. You know, uh, they, his, his buddies reach out to him and say, hey, can you, you know, Mary and Martha are reaching out to Jesus saying, hey, our brother's dying. He's sick. And we know how you feel about him and how much you care about us and you care about Lazarus. Like, could you get here and do something about it? They obviously knew something about Jesus was special, to say the least. And, and Jesus takes his time. It takes days for him to get there. And, and when he finally, you know, walks up into the city and everybody's mourning and Lazarus has died and has been buried now for some days, he's met by Mary and Martha and they both kind of say the same thing to him. Like, Lord, I knew if, if you had just been here, if you had just gotten here when we reached out to you, like if you had just heard, like when you heard about Lazarus' illness, he would still be here had you just come then. But Jesus moved at a different pace, and he never seemed hurried. Um, I want to give you another story about Dallas Willard. Sorry, I really, really, really love Dallas Willard, <laughs> if you haven't already noticed. One day, uh, Dallas, um, I wasn't on first name basis with him. Regardless, Dallas and a friend of his were having lunch, okay? And, and over lunch, Dallas leans over to his buddy and he asks him, if you had one word to describe Jesus, just one word, if you had one word to describe Jesus, what would it be? And Dallas's friend is sitting there and he shares within this story that he, he began to think of all these different words, words like holy or love or teacher or compassion or healing. All these different words come to mind. And the whole time, as his friend is thinking, Dallas is simply sitting there patiently waiting for him to answer. He's quiet, probably smiling at him, very calm, Um Reserve. This is how Dallas was, just calm, patient, quiet, giving other people time, giving other people space. And in and, and this moment, this is how Dallas was responding, giving his friend a chance to answer. And his friend eventually can't come up with an answer that he likes best. So he asked Dallas, well, 
how would you answer that question, Dallas? What is your word for Jesus? What is your one word to describe Jesus? And Dallas Willard, his friend, uh, remembers, smiles at him and says, relaxed. Out of every word one could use to describe Jesus, and there are plenty of good ones. Dallas Willard chooses the word relaxed. I don't know about you, but I love that. Relax. It's so true, is it not? Oh, how I want that to be the one word that someone would use for me. Yeah, I like the word loving, but relax sounds pretty nice. Here's what I'm getting at. As an apprentice of Jesus, I, I am I am taking on his way of being in the world. As an apprentice of Jesus, I am to take on his way of living as my own. Yet when I am constantly moving at a speed of 100 miles per hour, always adding more to my plate, it is going to be very difficult for me to ever slow down. And if I cannot slow down, there is going to be plenty of things that I miss. I will constantly be in a state of hurry. And even more than that, I will more than likely uh, be the opposite of relaxed, to say the least. I'm not going to dive into the statistics here, the statistics that we have um, coming out, and there's obviously more research being done on this, but the statistics of stress, depression, or anxiety that have been steadily on the rise and even dramatically increasing in our day and time. I don't want to get us bogged down in all of that, but I do want to ask you to pause for a moment and ask yourself, when was the last time you felt relaxed? Can you, can you even remember a time when you can honestly say that you were relaxed? Last week, we talked at some length about, you know, becoming like Jesus and our apprenticeship to him, what it looks like to become like Jesus. We even mentioned that becoming like Jesus was one aspect of being his apprentice, but it also requires some other things. It's not just about becoming like Jesus. It's about being with Jesus and doing what Jesus did. And on this episode, I want to focus on that part of being with Jesus in relationship to our apprenticeship to Jesus, being with Jesus. Um, If part of our aim in being an apprentice of Jesus is to become like Jesus and to do what he did, then it makes sense that it would mean that we must spend time with him. If we want to become like him and do what he did, then we need to spend time with him. That's just simple math, right? And if we want a life that is unhurried, if, if we would love to have the word relaxed be a true descriptor of our own self and our own lives, then I would argue that following in the way of Jesus is the right place to look. In previous episodes, I've mentioned that there are plenty of ways in which we can follow Jesus, that there are actually these things we call spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices, if you like that word better, um, that we can develop in our own life and live into and practice in our own lives that are all a part of Jesus's way. Uh, The church throughout its history has referred to these practices, like I said, as the spiritual disciplines, or even John Wesley, to use some of his own terminology, uh, coined the phrase means of grace, or, or started calling these practices or disciplines the means of grace. These are all things that we see our rabbi Jesus doing in his own life, things like prayer, fasting, scripture, silence, uh, solitude, 
um, worship, Sabbath, simplicity, let's see, communion or community, and, and much more. There's really not an exhaustive list, but these things we definitely see playing out in the Gospels as they tell the narrative of Jesus's own life. These are practices that, that he lived into and lived out of. These are practices that are all meant to help us to become more like our teacher, Jesus, surely. And they are all ways in which we take part in doing the things that Jesus did, but they also form us more into the kinds of people who then go about doing those things that Jesus did in our daily life. But for our purpose in this episode, these are all ways that we can simply spend more time with Jesus, our teacher. We talk about some of these practices, or we will rather talk about some of these practices at length going forward here on this podcast. But let me help us for just a second see what I mean that that these practices really do aid us in spending time with Jesus. I mean, what is what is prayer if it's not time spent with God? That is is that is it's not time spent with Jesus. I mean, that is what prayer is. It is time spent with God. My wife, Sarah, actually defines prayer like this, and I'll probably repeat this because it's so good. But Sarah says that prayer is the quiet pleasure of being myself in the presence of God. It's the quiet pleasure of being myself in the presence of God. Notice in the definition, we are truly ourselves spending time in the presence of God. That's what prayer is. Do you see how I'm kind of getting at this now? Uh, the same is true of the practice of both silence and the practice of solitude. The result is not only that we, in silence, rid ourselves of noise and in solitude rid ourselves of other things around us or other people around us, but the result, at least the hope of the result of these practices, is that we would then be in the presence of Jesus, quiet and undistracted in the presence of God. Worship as a practice is time spent praising God, praising Jesus in God's presence. The practice of reading scripture, of course, can be viewed as time spent in the word, in the presence of the word, capital W word, listening to the word. Are you catching on? This is these, All these practices aid us in being with Jesus. Now, for a moment, for a moment, I want you to remember a story from scripture. In fact, this is... Um, what we're going to be talking about today took place in John's gospel right at the beginning. And I want you to remember when Jesus calls some of his disciples, um, according to John 1, Jesus, uh, you know, has been baptized up to this point, and it's the next day. And the story starts out with a couple of John the Baptist's disciples sitting with him. And then Jesus walks by. I don't, we don't, we're not told what the conversation was before Jesus walks by, but John the Baptist is sitting there with some of his disciples. And as Jesus walks past them, he leans over to his two students, I guess, and says to them, behold, look, the Lamb of God. And his, his two, at least two of his students, two of his disciples didn't need to hear another word because they both get up, they leave their rabbi John behind, and they begin to follow a different rabbi, Jesus. And when I say they started following Jesus, I mean they literally started walking behind him. <laughs> and then, then Jesus turns around, and John tells us that he turns around, and he asks him this question. And I imagine that Jesus turns around because all of a sudden he has these two different people who he probably didn't know beforehand, though he's God, so, you know, whatever. But these two other guys are following behind him, so he stops, and he turns around naturally, just like you would, if like two kids were following you or two people started following you, you would turn around and you want you would have a question for them. And the question that Jesus asks is, hey, what are you looking for? 
or what what are you looking for? And these two guys do not seem to have a clue about what it is that they were looking for. So they spout out the first thing that comes to their mind. Oh, uh, what are we looking for? What are we looking for? Um, where are you staying tonight? And I can't help but imagine Jesus smiling and then inviting them with three words. Come and see. Now, at its roots, Jesus is inviting these two would-be apprentices or wannabe disciples to simply come and be with him. Come and see is that kind of invitation. Come and be with me. And friends, what I want to say to you is, this is the heart of all of it. (laughs) This is the beginning of your apprenticeship to Jesus and my own. Before anything else, hear me when I say this, before anything else, we are invited to simply be with Jesus, our teacher, our rabbi, becoming like him, doing what he did. That's all going, that's all going to be a part of it, but it all begins by being with Jesus, simply being with him. And as simple as this sounds, I think we must understand that this will cost us something. It does sound simple, but it will cost you something. And you need to know that on the front end before ever starting. Being with Jesus means that we are going to have to give up being somewhere else. Being with Jesus will mean that we will have to give up being with someone else. Spending time with Jesus means that we will have to give up spending time doing something else. See, it's going to cause you to reorient your entire life. Remember, that's kind of what we said this whole discipleship thing is. It's being an apprentice of someone, being a Talmudim of a rabbi requires that you give up your way of living and you take on someone else's. It's that kind of following that we've already talked about, where if your rabbi turns left, you turn left. You're You're not making that decision any longer. You are following every footstep of your rabbi. Like the Mishnah says, you're hoping that the dust of your rabbi would literally kick up and cloak your clothing. You are following that closely. If they go left, you go left. If they bend down, you bend down. If they laugh, you're probably going to laugh. Are we catching on? You are having to reorient your whole life. It's going to cost you something. It might mean that you have to start watching less TV or less Netflix or less TikTok. It might mean that you have to be on your iPhone way less, that your screen time report on Sunday should be getting smaller. It will mean taking care of yourself, like eating the right food, doing things that are healthy, not for the sake of image or anything like that, but because it requires it. Simply put, like, look, here's a healthy practice, okay? This is what I mean. Here's a healthy practice, and this is what it's going to cost you. It might mean that you have to go to bed earlier. It might actually mean that you do get more sleep. It might mean that you need to wake up earlier. It might mean that you need to actually purchase that Bible that you said you were going to buy, or at least download the app on your phone. It's free. It's going to mean saying no at times and being okay with that. It's going to mean saying yes at times. And because I know this is true for all of us, it will mean slowing down. It will. Jesus moved at a different kind of pace. 
a pace that was never hurried, it's going to require that you and I slow down if we want to spend time with him. Jesus is still here, friends. He's still present with us. This is good news. Jesus is still inviting us to come and see, to come and be with him, to come and experience this abundant life thing that he talks about and offers to us freely. This is good news. Let me remind you of that Comer quote once more that I don't even remember. I've said it in a previous episode. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, if that's what you want, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Friends, this is a lifestyle marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. This is a life that is spent walking, relaxed, and never hurried. And for you and me, or maybe I'm not going to speak for you. I'll say, I'll say for me, or and if you're like me, how about that? It might take us a lifetime to get to that. It might take us a lifetime to look back and say, you know what? There, I am more loving now. I do experience joy now. Wow. I've noticed just how gentle I've become. Patience, that was a thing that I never thought I'd be able to, to say would describe me. But now I, I feel like I've become patient. I've slowed down so much that it's going, it might take a lifetime to get there. That's what I'm trying to say. This is, this is not going to happen all in one week. You're never, actually, here's, here's some good news, okay? And here, here a negative as good news. You're never going to have this mastered. You will always be an apprentice. Same here. Me too. We, I should say, will always be an apprentice. We're not going to master this stuff. So why don't we then do it together? Let's not do this alone. Let's do it all together. Does that sound okay? Let's take the the lifetime of walking (laughs) together. Let's walk with Jesus. Let's take on his way in the world. We'll get into some of what those practices are going forward. But let's do this together. Okay. Well, bless you, grace and peace.